All right, let's bow our heads for the prayer again, shall we? Let's pray. Father in heaven, may you please continue to guide us and lead us with your spirit. And as we dig further into your word and look at some illustrations from your word, I pray that you would please make it very plain and clear to us about faith and also our duty and our part of where we come in in relation to this topic of faith. Thank you for your prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So, recap, just looking at our definition here, faith is expecting the Word of God to do what it says and depending upon that Word to do or to accomplish what it says. So, In order to understand this definition, I'm going to give you some examples. And uh, we need to go to the Word of God to find where it teaches about this. So let's go to Psalms 33. Psalms 33 and verse 6. Psalms 33 and verse 6. And then we'll also read verse 9 as well. Psalms 33, and we're starting in verse 6. The Bible says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of His mouth. Verse 9, For He spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. How? How did God create everything? By His Word. Let's follow on from the centurion's illustration, right? By His Word only, okay? Only by the Word of God and nothing else did God call into existence from nothing and turn it into something, okay? The greater part of the first chapter of the whole Bible, Genesis 1, um, there are no fewer than six distinct statements of faith. And of course, Genesis 1 verse 1, the Bible says what? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Let's go there, Genesis 1. And I'm going to show you some statements on faith. And then you begin to understand, hey, This is the reason why God put creation at the very first chapter. Do you know Genesis was not the first book written? What's the first book? Anybody know? The book of Job. But yes, it made sense to put creation first because it's the first thing in the history of our earth, right? But actually, it's almost as if God is trying to tell us, if you can't believe creation, you know what? You won't believe anything else written here. here. (laughs) This is the reason why creation and evolution do not go together. And I'm going to show you this in a minute, okay? Verse 3 of Genesis chapter 1. The Bible says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God created light out of nothing. Do you see that? By His Word only, He created light. Verse 6, and God said, 
let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. Every time through the first six days of creation, what we see is God speaking. Faith is the expecting of the Word of God to do what it says. So when God says, let there be this, it created out of nothing. How long did it take? Tell me. If one second passed for light to be created after God spoke it, you know what we call that? It's called evolution. Because evolution is progression over a course of time. Even if it just took one second for that to appear, that's evolution. No. As soon as God spoke, bang, it appeared. That's it. Out of nothing, light came. Out of nothing, atmosphere came. It didn't start moving. No, it just bang, it appeared. Do you see that? When God said, let there be the earth and the grass and the trees and the flowers, bang, it just appeared. It's the power of the Word of God. To expect the Word of God to do what it says, and then what? Depend. Do you know Adam had to exercise faith? Before he sinned, do you know he had to exercise faith? Adam was the last thing, apart from Eve, Adam was the last thing that God created, right? After Adam... Did he still have to create the sun, the moon, the stars? Did he still have to create trees or flowers or birds or anything? No, right? So when Adam woke up, God's like, I'm done. And so you can imagine, right? Adam's walking with God and he's like, God, where did all this come from? What do you think God said? I made it. What would you think... Adam's response would be? Are you sure? Prove it to me. Do you think Adam said that? No. He would be like, thank you. Or, oh, okay. That's it. He even had to exercise faith. Because, you know, even though Eve was created after him, he didn't see God create. Do you know that? What was Adam doing while God created Eve? He was sleeping. And then, when Eve woke up, God took Eve to wake Adam up. Do you know that? So, even then, Adam was like, when he woke up, there's Eve. God, where did she come from? I made her. Are you sure? <laughs> you know, do you think Adam would have said that? He'd be like, wow, Eve, come here, <laughs> right? <laughs> he didn't question God. He even had to depend upon the Word of God and expect that what God said is really what happened. He wasn't there for creation and neither were we. The same faith Adam had to exercise in his innocence before sin 
It's the same thing we have to exercise when we read the Bible and it says, let there be light. Adam had no advantage. Do you see that? And why is believing in creation so essential as opposed to evolution? Because the world is like a heart before God created anything in it. Let me show you Genesis 1 verse 2. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Do you know that's like our heart? (laughs) It's dark. It's void or empty. Do you see that? Without form. You know, we have no direction in life. Full of wickedness. This is what the Bible says. Let me show you another text. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. This is Henry's favorite song. Scripture song, right, Henry? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. We sing scripture songs at our church. And uh, this is one of them. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 through 9 is our scripture song. But in verse 6 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Bible says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God is saying through Paul that the way that God shined light out of darkness in the beginning is the very same way that He will shine His glory, His character, His light into our heart as well. So that world when it was dark, without form and void, it's like our heart. And the only way for God to do something with it, He has to use His? He has to use His? Word only. You see that? Because by His word only were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them, by the breath of His mouth. You see, when we can look at creation and expect God to do for us what He did to the world, we're halfway there in our faith already. Psalms 51 verse 10. Psalms 51 verse 10. Scripture song as well. All right? Psalms 51 verse 10, the Bible says what? Create in me a clean heart and... Renew a right spirit within me. Tell me, according to that verse there, how do we get a clean heart? It must be created. The way that a person can go from bad to good, he must have a new heart created in him. And the only way that we can have something created, it is only by his word. And by his word, only. There is nothing in man that can help us to be good. Impossible. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him, right? Come with me to Isaiah. Sorry, um, this was a text that I was referring to earlier. 
Isaiah 65. Any attempt at good things, any attempt at righteousness is unrighteousness for man. Do you know that? It's impossible. Impossible. Isaiah 65 and verse 6. Hmm? You see, this is where I've lost it. Isaiah 64, sorry, I was off by one chapter. Isaiah 64 and verse 6, the Bible says this, But we all are as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses, do you know it doesn't say all our righteousness? It's all our righteousnesses are as what? Filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Look. Without faith, all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. Tell me, this is where I need some feedback from you. When you think of a filthy rag, what do you think of? Come on, give me some descriptions. When you think of a filthy rag, what do you think of? Okay, unclean, I mean, that's not really descriptive. When you think of a filthy rag, what do you think of? Stain, huh? Very dirty, okay. And to what extent? How dirty a cloth have you seen before? Black, like an auto mechanic. You know, he takes and wipes his tools or you wash the car. Have you got those cloths where you wash the car and after you washed it and you try to wash the cloth, it's still black? Do you know what filthy rags is? You must have heard this before. The word filthy there, when you look up the word filthy, how dirty it is, it's like a woman in her menstrual flux. Dirty. Now, some of you guys are single, you don't understand what I mean. You're not married, you don't see this sort of stuff. When you're married, you know, your wife there, you see this. Ladies, of course, you understand. But the Bible says, our righteousness, the very best thing that we can do for God without faith is how clean this is. Our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. It is so dirty and disgusting. If you don't mix it with faith, it's impossible. And that is why for us in our own human effort, when we try to keep the commandments of God, it's impossible. Not that you haven't seemingly kept it for one day, you know. It's like, no, none of us walk down the street on any given day and just kill somebody, right? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, God, I didn't kill anybody today, yay. But without faith, it's impossible. Because faith is expecting what? Not me to do it. It's expecting the Word of God to accomplish what it says and then depending upon it to do what it says. God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, right? The way that God accomplished what He did in creation is the same way He's going to accomplish what He wants to do in our heart. To teach faith 
is to teach that such is the nature of the Word of God. This is what we've done so far, okay? When I'm teaching you about faith, I'm basically telling you that the Word of God is able to accomplish what it says. That's my definition of faith that I gave you earlier, right? To teach faith is to teach that such is the nature of the Word of God. What is the nature of the Word of God? It has creative power. It has creative power. To teach people how to exercise faith is to teach them to expect the Word of God to do what it says. Let me give you an illustration. I told you, the world is like our heart, right? Dark, empty, void. And a person who has lived this dark, empty, and void life, they look at a person who is experiencing righteousness by faith. And they think to themselves, there's no way I can be like that. <laughs> okay? But that's a good thinking. Because in our hearts, nothing comes out that is good. And the faster we come to that realization, God, I can't do that at all, the better it is for us. Ellen White says, faith is laying the glory of man in the dust and expecting God to accomplish what he said he would. You know, when we feel helpless, it's actually the best time for us to exercise faith. <laughs> Do you know that? Because to teach faith is to teach people how to exercise faith is to teach them to expect the word of God to do what it says, right? But if you seemingly, like Peter, think, wow, I'm walking of faith on this water, and then you look at this around, it's like, wow, I'm so great, I can do this. And look at the disciples, they're not even on the water with me. You begin to have confidence in yourself and lose faith in the command of God that it is by that command you are walking on water. Do you see that? The faster we realize that we can do nothing, the better. Or else we will never expect the Word of God to do what it says. True? And then lastly, to how to cultivate faith is by practice to cause to grow confidence in the power of the Word of God itself to do what in that Word is said. <laughs> okay, while you write this down, let me repeat it and then I'll give you an illustration, okay? How to cultivate faith is by practice to cause to grow confidence in the power of what? The Word of God itself to do what in that word is said. <laughs> Let me give you an illustration. Matthew 5, 48. The Bible says, Be ye therefore what? Perfect. Even as our Father in heaven is 
perfect. And you know, many people have responded this way. Is it possible? You know what I mean? And if I say that, and just as I said that, what are you feeling as I said that? Is it possible? What do you think I'm portraying? Doubt. Doubt in what? The Word of God. You see, faith grabs hold upon that Word and it's no longer a command. It sounds like a command, doesn't it? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. It sounds like thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. These are all what? What are they? They're commands, they're instructions, right? We have to do this. But I want you to readjust your thinking and not look at those words like they are commands anymore. They are promises. Bible says it. I can do it. With God working in me. Do you see that? Faith is by practice to cause to grow what? Confidence. The problem with this, with us, we have too much doubt in the Word of God. We have to grow in confidence in the power of the Word of God itself to do what in that Word is said. So when the Bible says, be therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, it's not you that is doing perfect but your faith makes you perfect because the Bible said you can. It is a promise, not a command. Does that make sense? When you read Exodus 20 and you read that first verse, it says, and God spake all of these words. (laughs) When He gave the commandments of God to the Israelites, He didn't write it first. He said it first. And when God speaks, what does it have? What sort of power? Creative power to do what? Create what? In your heart, what? No, it creates that life that didn't exist before. I used to be a murderer now. God said, thou shalt not kill. Boom, I'm different. How long does it take? It doesn't take one week. That's evolution. It doesn't take one hour. That's evolution. It's instant. The Ten Commandments are not commands. They are ten promises. Do you see that? By faith, we have to believe in that word and that word only that it will create in us a new heart. Out of what? Nothing. Before, there was only hatred and wickedness and darkness. And now, out of nothing, this person now is displaying the fruits of the Spirit. Where did that come from? Tell me. Where did it come from? The Word 
only. Do you see that? Our part is not to reason. How is this possible? Our part is just to believe. Don't worry. We're going to get to that question that was asked earlier about faith, whose part, how do we, how do we join this between God and man, okay? But I just need to readjust your thinking first about how you're looking at these words that you're reading. And somehow, many of us, we think it is my part. But we have to believe, have confidence in the Word of God that it itself will do what that Word said, and that's it. (laughs) We're going through more illustrations. But how are you cultivating faith? How are you cultivating faith? Let's now go to Hebrews 11 verse 1. That definition that I've left off looking at for that first whole session, even though like, it would seem logical that that would be the first place we would go when we talk about faith. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. <clears throat> now that I've given you this background, it's perfectly easy how we can understand this definition of faith. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the what? Substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things what? Not seen. What are the evidence of things not seen? What is the evidence of things not seen? It's faith. Faith is the substance of things hopeful. How is this possible? Since the Word of God has creative power, it's able to produce things that have never appeared in your life before. True? Are you with me? Before the world was created, there was nothing. What did God have to use to create it? His Word only. And if faith is depending upon the Word of God to accomplish what it says and expecting the Word of God to do what it says, then faith is that substance that we must hope for. Because by it, everything appeared. Right? Are you with me? You hope to overcome your bad temper. Faith is the substance. And it is the evidence. Now, why do we need evidence? Tell me when we need to use evidence. Hey? Court. What do you mean? Tell me. Say I killed somebody, and here's the knife. This is what? Evidence. And guess what? On the knife, we found a fingerprint that matched it to me, right? That's That's what? Evidence. So, can anyone argue with this evidence? If you found my fingerprint on there, I mean, case closed, right? That's pretty clear, convincing evidence. True? Now, faith 
is evidence. <laughs> Faith is evidence. So tell me, what is that evidence that makes faith so real? It is what? It's the word of God only. Now, let me give you this illustration. Man's words, we cannot have faith. But do you know how many people have so much faith in man's words? And it doesn't become true faith. My pastor said this, and my mother said that, and, you know, Randy Skeet said this. We start quoting preachers and pastors and people. But you know what? Man's words versus God's words. Look, when man speaks, no power in our words to perform the thing spoken. Right? And when man speaks, we still must do something in addition to speaking to make our word good. Right? If man speaks and we don't do anything, what is it then? What does it become? If man speaks and we don't do it, what do our words become? A lie. And it's for this reason that God cannot lie. God's words, it is simply because He spoke it. That's it. God's words, when He speaks, it accomplishes that which He was pleased to speak, okay? What did God have to do? Nothing. <laughs> Except speak that word only, right? When, when the, the centurion asked Jesus to speak the word only, other than speaking, what did He have to do to accomplish His word? Did He still have to go to the house and check on Him and touch Him? Did he have to do a funny dance in order to get the man to be healed? No. He just spoke the word only. When God speaks, it is without God doing anything because his word is what? So powerful. It's so powerful that God doesn't have to do anything. Because the minute he speaks it, it is. And then finally, when God speaks, he does not need to make his word good because it is good already. Now, now we are seeing that faith, we're pointing to His Word, or in our modern day, what we call the Bible. This is why it is impossible for God to lie, because when God tries to lie, it becomes true. Do you understand what I mean? Because a lie is only when we say something and we, it doesn't really come to an accomplishment. You know what I mean? If I were to tell my daughter that the grass is yellow, it's not green, it doesn't happen. I'm lying, right? But you know, when God tries to lie and He says the grass is yellow, his word is so powerful that it turns the grass yellow and it becomes true, even though before it was a lie. 
Do you understand that? When God says pigs can fly, boom, they start flying. Because God said it, it happened. When I say pigs fly, I'm lying. Because my word didn't do anything. And pigs are not flying. This is man's words versus God's words. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So when the Bible says, be therefore perfect, it's not even for us to think, can I be perfect? No. It's for us to believe that we can be perfect. And it's for us to believe that the Word of God said it. That's enough for me. Does that make sense? That's why every word of God is not just His biddings, it's His enablings. Everything that God says is the power for us to do it. Even though it's structured like a command in our language, be ye therefore. (laughs) Do you see that? So now I want you to readjust that and look at that as a promise. God says you can be perfect. You can be. That's it. No questions asked. You don't need to do anything. When you believe, it is. How long did it take? Zero seconds. Does that make sense? (laughs) Let's come back to Hebrews 11. We were in verse 1, right? Verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by what? The Word of God, so that things which are seen were made of things which do appear. He who exercises faith knows that the Word of God is creative, okay? And it has the power to make things exist that never existed before. So I'm I'm going to keep coming back to not just the literal of pigs flying or grass turning yellow. I'm talking about your heart. And the fact that righteousness can come out of something that have never been righteous before, which is us, human beings. Not because of anything special that we are, but because of what the Word of God is able to accomplish in your life. Does that make sense? So we can understand, not guess, that the worlds were produced by the Word of God. That's faith. That's faith. So come with me to also 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. It's not because God won't lie. It's because God cannot lie. You got to remember that. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13. The Bible says this. For this cause also thank we God. Sorry, 1 Thessalonians 2:13. Apologize. I'm going a bit fast here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. 
The Bible says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believes. This is a very clear understanding of how the word of God operates. When we receive the word of God, we don't receive it as men, because men's words can lie. We receive it in the word of God, which what? Effectually works in you to those that what? Believe. So let me help you define our work. Yes, our work, in a sense. It's just to believe. That's it. <laughs> That's all the work that is required of us in order for us to be righteous. Look, I'm not talking about how do you know if a person is righteous. We'll get to that. So as you sit here, you, maybe you're thinking, God, am I righteous or not? I haven't talked about that. But I'm telling you, if you want to be righteous, if you walked in here into this seminar and you are not doing good, the only thing that you need to do to be righteous is to believe. Now, if I just leave it at that, that sounds very dangerous theology, okay? Because then I don't need the law of God to be righteous, right? But I'm telling you, let me repeat myself again. The only, only thing you have to do is to believe the Word of God. Okay? Nothing else. That is righteousness by faith. <laughs> okay? Is anybody confused? Am I, does it sound like I'm going against what you've believed all your life? Anybody? Raise your hands. You feel like I'm going against what you've been raised to believe. No? You guys all believe the same way as I do? That's wonderful. <laughs> you're happy to hear this? I'm glad you're happy because when I first studied this, I struggled with it. I told you. I was like, what? No, 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 let me get my thinking right here. I'm not reading this properly. I'm not studying this properly, you know? All we need to do is believe. That just sounds so Sunday church theology. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Friends, all you need to do is believe. Isn't it? But you see, I'm not destroying the law of God. I'm going to pull that in at the proper time. But I'm trying to build this foundation. All you need to do if you want to be righteous, if you want to be perfect, if you want to stop sinning, if you want to, I don't know, what other words can we use? All you need is faith. That is it. Okay? But then, you know, here's the thing. Coming back to this statement, right? The knowledge of what the scripture means when urging upon us the necessity 
of cultivating faith is more essential than any other knowledge that can be acquired. There is not much in Scripture that talks about having faith. Do you know that? And I'm going to give you the reason why. But there is very, very, very many Scriptures in the Bible that tell us how to cultivate or how to exercise faith. Why? Because to every man and woman, there is given a measure of faith. You know how Jesus says if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed and be planted in the other tree, planted in the depths of the sea and it will obey you? You know, many people give an excuse, this is why I'm allowed to have small faith. But what we are interested in is not maintaining our faith. We want to cultivate it that it can what? Grow. Because to every man and woman, there is given a measure of faith. Let me show you. Let's go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. Romans chapter 12. Oh my, time is flying by. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Everybody has a measure of faith, okay? We have no excuse to say, I have no faith. Because everybody has it. The only trouble is many of us don't exercise it. (laughs) And you know what happens when you don't exercise, right? Your muscle gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And so some of us, our faith, when we don't exercise it, instead of growing into a big tree it becomes so small that it almost is non-existent. And this is where many of us struggle then with sin, and it overcomes us. But how to cultivate? The word cultivate actually means to prepare and use, to grow, to maintain or develop. This is what Ellen White says. Faith is what? The gift of God. But the power to exercise it is ours. Faith is a gift of God. Do you know where, you know when when you see this word, is the gift of God in quotation, do you know where that's being quoted from? In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, many times we think grace is that gift, but it's actually faith. Faith is the gift of God. All these words in here are a gift. <laughs> But the power to exercise it is whose? It's ours. 
how much do you truly believe that you can be perfect? When you look at the mirror on the wall and you see all the dirtiness and disgustingness and all the sin that you've ever done, sometimes our faith falters that we can ever be perfect, right? But this is where the Word of God must work in our heart, not as a command to be perfect, but to believe. Then you can be perfect by the grace of God. Amen? I'm not saying blind self-confidence, okay? (laughs) But it's okay to boast in God. Not of ourselves, but of what God can do in and through us. Come with me to Philippians chapter 2. And this statement will balance itself out as you look at Philippians chapter 2, okay? Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. And we're starting in verse 12. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. The Bible says this, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, it says what? Work out your own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. Wow! That goes against everything we've been learning about, right? (laughs) Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You go figure out how you're going to be saved. Don't come to me, it almost sounds like God is saying, right? But then you have to balance it out in verse 13. For it is God which what? Worketh in you both to will and to do good, uh, uh, to do of His good pleasure. Look. He says, go work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, but it's actually God that works in you to do of His good pleasure. Faith is the gift, but the power to exercise it is ours. Be it according to your faith is how much you will change. Not because of some background that you've been growing up in and my parents taught me that you know you don't eat between meals and so all my life I've never eaten between meals no good training will ever help you with that it's not because of your background and the family that you grew up in that this is the reason why you're able to be righteous no it's about how much you believe in the word of God to do what it says it will do the power to exercise it it's ours. Right? And she says, how to exercise faith should be made very plain. <laughs> and truly, look, as, as you grow, it's just like the way of how you grow in a, with a plant. It starts small and it gets bigger and bigger, right? And the, the bigger you grow the more troubles a plant faces. When you are a seed in the ground, the birds, they might hunt for you, but you're protected by the the dirt, isn't it? Slugs, caterpillars, snails, they're not interested in you. Bugs, they're not interested in you as a seed. But you know what? The more you grow, 
the more troubles come your way, isn't it? Have you felt like that when you became a Christian? But it's because every step of the way, we have to exercise more faith and more faith and more faith. And just when you thought your troubles are gone, or this is like the worst of your life, there's something even worse. And you have to exercise even more faith. Why? Because every step of the way, God is trying to help you to grow. You know, if He gave us the same trial of the same magnitude every single time, we would stop relying on Him. (laughs) Did you know that? We would stop altogether relying on Him because been there, done that. Okay, God, what else? Oh, this Christian journey is just a walk in the park. Smooth sailing, isn't it? But look, every step of the way in our Christian journey, we have to learn how to exercise faith. At the beginning, you know what? It's conversion of your heart. God, I'm struggling with this one sin in my heart. Losing my temper. Or it's the sin of looking at bad pictures on the internet. And you struggle and you struggle, but you take the Word of God. And as you begin to read the Word of God in your devotions, and this is why devotion becomes so important, because you're reading the power of God. And I can't explain it to you, but somehow when you read the Word of God, it begins to change you. That's all I can say, all right? Just like how I can't describe to you how Peter walked on water. But this Word of God, you've been spending time in it, it's been so powerful, and you've been believing it, and it's been creating in you a clean heart. New thoughts, new desires. And your character has changed. Praise the Lord, amen? And then God brings your best friend who turns against you. Oh, you've never had such anger and hatred in your heart for this person. During your devotion time, you are struggling when it says, love your enemies. But when you, when you read that word, it has power to change your heart, to give you love for your enemy. Are you with me? You never had this kind of trial before, but your faith is growing. And you have to exercise faith. Not in the way that, oh God, I have to do it. Oh, I have to love my enemy. And you just, it's just struggle, right? And when you, when you see this person that hurts you, all the feelings of bitterness still come up, isn't it? Why? Tell me. It's because your faith hasn't grabbed hold of the power of God, the gospel. What's the gospel? Love your enemy. (laughs) That's good news. Not just for you, but for him too. (laughs) Right? But it's the power of God unto salvation to him that what? Believes. Faith has to grab a hold of that. But you have to expect the Word of God to do that. God, you need to do this in my life because right now there's no love. It's all what? Hatred. 
And many of us go, take it away, God, take it away. But it's not about taking it away. It's about putting something else in there, love. So maybe you've been praying for the wrong thing. And this is where prayer is so important with Jason over there, right? Instead of go, God, take it away, you've got to say, God, give me love. Because you said that it can happen. And I expect you to do it. You know what I mean? I've read these testimonies about, oh, if you hate your enemy, you've got to go up to them and just say it. Just say it. Just say you love them and, and give them a hug or shake their hand and the, the feeling of love will just come through all your body. Yeah. Never happened to me. I shake their hand and I still want to slap them, right? <laughs> the change does not come when you just, just do it. The change must come from the Word of God and expect the Word of God to do what it says it would do and then depend upon it God, help me love my enemy and keep the Word of God there all the time. Is it becoming practical now? Do you realize how faith must grow through trials? Ellen White says, when you go through trials, your faith clings to the promises. But when you come out of that trial and you're happy that you're through the trial, joy swallows up faith. It is no longer faith, but feeling. In other words, faith is never exercised in times of peace and happiness. Faith is exercised in times of trial and temptation. How do you know a person has faith? When everything's happy and we can all be loving to one another and joyful and when everything's happy in a relationship and the husband and wife are faithful to each other, is that what it means to be faithful? No. Show me that you're still faithful when you've been arguing and clashing. You know what I mean? This is a time that you have to exercise your faith. Thou shalt not commit adultery. It's the times of trial and temptation that we have to exercise and cultivate this faith. Um, let me look at this word. Oh, sorry, how much time do we have? Oh, I'm sorry, we have three minutes. I need to get through this real quick. <laughs> Justification by faith. For those that have heard of uh, righteousness by faith, it's really broken down into two things, okay? And justification is the first part. So righteousness by faith is really two, two parts to our Christian experience. The first part is justification by faith. Just, okay? And the second part is sanctification by faith, which is a work of a lifetime. You will never, ever, ever graduate or come to the end of this road of sanctification. But justification is something that I want to show you here. Now, justification comes by depending upon the Word of God 
and only expecting that word only to accomplish what it says. Why? Because justification by faith is really righteousness by faith. When you look up the word justify or the word justification, here we go, I have the slide. The meaning of the word justification means being declared righteous. <laughs> so, justification by faith really is righteousness by faith. They're the same thing. There's no way to be justified or declared righteous. Now, in the, in the worldly sense, okay, when does a judge declare somebody to be righteous? When they're not guilty, okay? So, if you are justified, Jesus is saying, I'm declaring you to be righteous. So, justification is the beginning point. Say this is your life, okay? This is the beginning point of you experiencing righteousness. How? By faith. The only way that we can experience righteousness, the only way that we can be declared justified, it's the same thing, is by faith. So, when Romans chapter 5 verse 1, it says this, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It can be, we can really be read this way. Therefore, being made righteous by how? Expecting and depending upon what? The Word of God only, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see that? How are you made righteous? How are you justified? In your thinking of justification, what is the first thing that we must do? Come on. Before you heard all of this, what do we have to do in order to be justified? <laughs> Thank you. Confession, repentance, right? <laughs> but you know, where does confession come from? 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Right? You have to expect and depend that what God says in 1 John 1, 9, it will actually happen. How soon? Instantaneously. When you open your eyes after you confess your sin, do you still feel like you're guilty? Absolutely. but you have to depend upon the Word of God and expect that when you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive your sins. How soon? Immediately. You are a child of God right there and then. Full stop, no questions asked. What you do? You depend upon the Word of God that when He said you confess, you are clean. That's it. Nothing else. Exactly. If you're not, you make God a liar, <laughs> right? When you doubt His Word, 
It's like, God, are you sure? I just feel... And that's why Ellen White says, when you doubt God too much, it becomes sin as well. Right? If He said it, it's good enough for me. That's it. Have you kept the commandments after you prayed? Any evidence of that yet? No. (laughs) At that very point, when you confessed your sin, you are righteous. That's it. Okay? Intentionally, I have not gone to look at the law yet. Don't worry, we will get there. Okay? Where does the Word of God, I mean the the law of God and the commandments and these actions that we often so talk about, where does this all come in? We will look at that in a little while. But look, there just needs to be this paradigm shift of how you look at the Bible. This is what I'm trying to deal with in, in as you read these words. It's not just words, they're promises. Um, it's not words for us to do. Okay? It's not. But every single one of those words contain power. And we have to expect that when we read those words, it will do it for us. Yes. Is a re- person ready for baptism over here? Uh, no. No. Because of this part. And I know, yes, it's a work of a lifetime. But when we look deeper into the law of God, then as we look at a story in the afternoon, you'll understand when then baptism becomes something that is something we can do or when a person is ready for baptism. But you know, when it comes to baptism, there's many other factors. It's not just they've got to be justified, right? So Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, state very clearly, Go ye therefore into all the world, teaching them whatsoever I've commanded you, right? And then baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But then it says after that, what? Teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. Right? So if you want to teach somebody to observe something you've taught them, that takes time for the fruit to come out. And we'll look at that in the next session. We're going to look at the story of Abraham, the great father of faith. You know, we have to, we have to look at his story because he's the one that in Romans, in Hebrews, Genesis, it talks a lot as well. But we're going to go through all of this and help us to understand then where works come into play, all right? And the necessity of obedience to the law and how this harmonizes with our faith then. But look, I want you to go away from this first two sessions, just this. If you want to be righteous, all you need to do is believe. If you do something, it's not by faith anymore. Okay? If you want to be righteous, all you need to do is believe. Nothing else. Nothing. 
Zilch. Don't let anybody else convince you of that because it's righteousness by righteousness by faith. And faith is expecting and also depending upon what? The Word of God only. <laughs> to accomplish what it says. Nothing else. Nothing else. Because if it becomes anything more than that, it's not faith anymore. Right? And if it's not faith anymore, then it's righteousness by works. And we'll see this in Abraham's story very clearly. Okay? Any other questions before we end up here? Okay. For a day that we want it to be a sunny day because we have a big activity coming on. Mm-hmm. And uh, the past few days has been raining and the next day may be raining. But then, just a faith. Mm-hmm. Is that right? It's okay to have that, but God might not answer it because it's not upon the Word of God, it's upon the Word of your pastor. <laughs> Nowhere in the Bible. The Bible does say that we can stop rain, but because of what? It's God's will, yes, but also because it says if my people will pray and humble themselves and turn from the wicked ways, right? The reason why it stops is because of the wicked ways. (laughs) No one's given us such a message in this time, have they? But spiritually speaking, application-wise, the reason why God has not sent the latter rain it's because of the wickedness of the people. That's what we need prayer for. But when there's rain and we pray for no rain and it rains, my, my understanding or my reaction would be, God knows better. <laughs> so I wouldn't say it's either right or wrong, but you know, the statement of faith is not something that was found in the Word of God there. It was from the pastor or whoever said it, right? No, not presumptuous. You're just praying. But if it's not, it's God's will. I mean, it only becomes presumption if you lose your faith because you didn't rain. It didn't rain. Oh, I'm not following you ever again. You know, that's, that's presumption. You're hinging your, your, your faith upon this one thing. And that's wrong because faith should always be hinged upon what? The Word of God only. That's it. Not on signs or miracles or any of that sort. It's just the Word of God only. Any other questions? Yes, sir. Oh, faith and belief, they're the same thing. How? (laughs) Can someone tell a good sir here? How? By expecting and depending upon the Word of God only. And look, at different stages of our lives, different texts in the Word of God become relevant to us, right? It's through our faith, sorry, it's through our trials that we have to exercise faith. Um, An example for people, how they cultivate faith, students challenged on the Sabbath, right? Have to go to class or even professionals, they have to go to work on Sabbath. And then comes a conflict. The word of the your boss or your lecturer versus the Word of God. This is where there's that challenge. And if you are not expecting and depending upon the Word of God only, then you'll follow the Word of your boss or your lecturer. 
Do you see that? So trials differentiate that. But you know, where do you really grow, honestly? It's during your devotion time. It's during your times of devotion. I mean, really, are you doctors? I'm sure there's some doctors here. Are are you reading the Word of God while you're in the operating theater? Students, are you reading the Word of God when you're sitting in lectures? No. The time that we can even remember the Word of God to expect it and to depend upon it is our devotion time. That's why then Psalms 119 verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you, that I might experience what? Righteousness by faith. You see? So how to cultivate that? It comes through here. But you know what? A just man falleth how many times? The Bible says. He, seven times. You know why seven? Because seven is like the perfect fall. Because that's what seven represents, right? Or complete. He fell completely. But it says the righteous man, the just man. Again, he rises up. You know, when you go through life, you will experience disappointments. And then you go back to the drawing board and you realize, God, my faith is not where it needs to be. I've been letting go of you. And I've not been depending upon your word and cultivating faith. Do you see that? And then, then we're getting into the fruits. <laughs> the fruits of a righteous man and a woman. You see that? So as we come to Abraham, I believe some part of that will be answered as well. I know that was your question originally. <laughs> we haven't got there yet. But Abraham, you will see his experience and you'll see how God in His mercy, still led him. But where he was declared righteous is very different to the whole story of what we see of Abraham. Okay? So just wait upon that. If my, your question is still not answered by the end of this next session in the afternoon, then you say, Pastor, your, your talk is just not practical. <laughs> okay? But I hope that that will be answered in that story of Abraham. Any other questions? Yes, Dr. O. Yes. And Matthew 5 16 says, Be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And we, by faith, accept that we are instantaneously perfect. Yes. Uh, I wonder what your definition of perfection is. Righteous. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you go by the seed, how it grows. Yes. Uh, it's sanctification from the seed to the seedling mm-hmm. to a full grown tree. It seems to me that, uh, for, for example, loving my enemy, uh, so I expect God's word to make me love my enemy instantaneously. Yes. Uh, I've seen that it grows um, uh, in stages, and there are also uh, experiments that show and uh, examples of uh, people's lives that show that from hate they grow to the next step of I don't hate you anymore, I don't wish any evil on you anymore 
finally, I wish good on you. Mm -hmm. That's why we know we have forgiven the person. Yep. And uh, in many people's experience, they go through this progressive step-by-step -step development of mm -hmm. to finally love and forgive. So, and it takes sometimes years <laughs> to progress. Yep. So when the statement is made that instantaneously I'm asked, I can love my enemy and no longer have bitterness and everything else, doesn't seem to be true of every case. Yep. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, uh, I, I should not. Uh, you cannot get directly from hatred to I wish you well and no longer have bitterness. Uh, the forgiveness takes time and the hurt takes time. To go away. Yep. So what does it mean to be instantaneously loving <laughs> your enemy? It can. But it's only according to our faith. That's why some takes years. But some can take days. Because it's not so much that the word of God is powerless to accomplish what it says. It's because our belief in the word of God is where the fault lies. Do you see that? viral video one Iranian lady son was murdered by another right. woman. Did, right. did you ever see that? No, no, I've heard about it. I've heard about it. And uh, she had the right to kick the chair on which this uh, murderer was standing so he would drop and get hanged uh -huh. on the day of execution. She stood up on another chair and leaned forward and slapped him, the murderer of her son. And then, instead of kicking the chair from him, she said to the hangman, loosen that noose, take that noose off him. <laughs> and that murderer was free. And then she and her husband went to the grave of her murdered son and they cried. So, it wasn't immediately that this sorrow and bitterness went away. Mm -hmm. But a week later, a reporter asked her, How are you feeling? She said, I feel like a load has been lifted off my shoulders. I no longer feel like a dead person walking around. Mm -hmm. uh, but it took a while to, to feel that way. But like I said, look, it's hard, to, it's hard to describe the work of what God does in our heart. You know what I mean? Um, if we're talking about grief and bitterness, yeah. But look, is there the, prom pros, uh, the promise of God that we can love our enemies? Yes or no? Absolutely. The fact that someone can do that ultimately... It's because of what? It's because of what? To love their enemies. It's because of their faith. Because there are also many instances that people never forgive. Right? And that's also a revelation of what? Their faith. You see? So how long, how short? It be according to our faith.
I've been through situations where people have seemingly disappointed me or backstabbed me in a sense, you know? But can we forgive? Absolutely. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And if forgiveness is instantaneous, then our forgiveness to other people must be instantaneous too. It just depends whether we want to believe it or not. The fault lies where? In our faith. In our faith. And it can't be anything else. It has to be just that, isn't it? So the process by which we go through, if we were to use our experience as the indicator of how faith works, then faith is far and wide and we can't define it. But some people can forgive just like that. Others, yeah. It's taken me, for me, what I've been through before, it's taken me years. But it's because I believe I was letting hold, letting go of my hold on this. And it took someone to preach it for me to be reminded. Actually, no, it took me to preach it that while I was preaching it, I was reminded, Ben, you have to experience this as well. It's because I just didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to look at it. Any change that comes, it's as a result of the Word of God. And yes, it can be instantaneous. The <laughs> question that comes to my mind is, uh, this lady was a Muslim, she still is. Mm-hmm. So can this experience of the Word of God, faith in the Word of God, equally true of the Iranian Muslim or Hindu or anybody else who is not a Christian? Yes, because to everybody is given a measure of faith. To everybody. (laughs) And faith in, yes, for us, we're talking from the Christian standpoint, faith in the Word of God, right? But I believe we'll be seeing people who are of other religions in heaven just because they lived up to all the light that God shone on their way. You know? Okay? All right, well, let's leave it there for today so far, and we'll come back after lunch and continue our session. Um, But for now, let's have a word of prayer first, shall we? Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, Lord, help us to realize and to understand this topic of faith. Lord, if I have been faulty in communicating it to the people, I pray that you forgive me and Send the Holy Spirit to each and every individual to help them to understand clearly how we can live by faith and how we can exercise this faith in you. Lord, may you please continue to guide us throughout the remainder of this day. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.